G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast here recapping another round of AFL Fantasy Footy, 15 weeks in the books and we've got 8 to go, 2 months left of the AFL Fantasy season and only 1 month until Fantasy Finals begin, so every move is now going to be crucial in the lead up to finals. I had a pretty solid round 15, things weren't amazing but I've kind of given up hope of finishing with a meaningful rank. I moved up, actually I shouldn't give up hope, I moved up 45 spots this weekend so things are looking okay at the large fries and coke. Glass half full approach in the final few months of the fantasy footy season. There were some pretty big scores and the weather kind of held a few players back as well. So without further ado, let me dive into the round 15 of Starting with my Motley crew, the large fries and coke. I scored 21 47 this weekend, which was actually the same number of uh, Carlton fans at Optus Stadium to watch the Blues get a famous win. I don't want to talk uh, too much about that as a Dockers fan, but shout out to the Blues. They haven't had many feel-good stories lately, so they deserve it. Uh, my team, like I said, was alright, a bit better than the Dockers. Uh, my defence wasn't incredible by any means, starting with Jake Lloyd, who failed to get over 50, didn't even record a single mark or a single tackle, so I was disappointed with that. Brody Smith didn't really start the weekend the right way with a 56 on Friday night, so that stung, and Rory Laird wasn't much better with 78. Sicily and Griffin Lowe failed to get over 60. I can't be too mad at Griff. He is a rookie, and I've kind of been uh, foreshadowing something like this coming, so it is what it is. Uh, Sydney Stack, though, is my sixth on-field defender. was pretty good. Took four goals to get his 94, but... Hopefully he can keep scoring in the 80s and 90s and uh, merit a spot on my side for another few weeks because I don't think I'm going to be able to do much to repatch my defence. i got Answorth and Garner on the bench, so at least I have two playing blokes there, but defence could be better. My midfield is actually starting to resemble an AFL fantasy midfield. I had Taranto's 83, which kind of sucked. I would have loved to take advantage of one more vice-captain loophole chance, but wasn't meant to be. Andy Gaff, Adzi Trelaw, Nat Fife, all great. Actually, I do... Oh, I'll wait for the favourite five, but I do owe Nat Fife an apology after uh, throwing him under the bus about five or six weeks ago. Brayshaw in my midfield is really the only weak link at the moment. I do have Oscar Baker still floating around, and he dropped a 50, but rookies are going to do that. I can't complain too much. Mitchie Duncan as well, 99. Would have loved him to uh, get one more to round it out for triple figures, but I'm not going to complain there. And Jack McRae on debut as my skipper was fantastic. I'm glad that, in a sense, that Patrick Cripps got injured because it forced my hand there. But back to Angus Brayshaw. He scored 87, which is, funnily enough, his break-even now. And I'll talk about him in trade tactics, but in a perfect world, I'll be able to move him onto a big fish. But I really want to focus on getting rookies off my field. So Drew and Bewley are my two on my bench. So again, two more playing blokes. So I'm earning money around the grounds, but I need that money to try and get some big upgrades. In the ruck department, Brody Grundy threw up his standard 112 and... Maxi Gorn's injury is a big talking point for fantasy coaches. He only scored a 50 after hurting his ankle, and without any playing ruck bench cover, it's alarming that Gorn could potentially miss round 16. Uh, there's no huge reports out yet confirming whether he's going to miss or play, but it doesn't sound good for Max Gorn owners. But with the exception of his injury, he was scoring all right, so I can't be too upset about owning the two big dogs in the rucks. And my forward line continues to be my best line. Pretty good scores across the board, all rounded out to average about 100. Boak, D, 
Danger, Tim Kelly, Zeebel, Warple, and Jackie Billings, all probably, well, off the top of my head, combined for a bit north of 600. So I like to see my fantasy team average 100 per player. So the forward line ticked that box. I traded in Jared Cameron into my forward line, and while he only scored a 29, I'm hoping that he can keep getting a couple of games and hopefully string some performances together that'll keep him in West Coast side, but I don't have a hell of a lot of confidence. So 2147. Hopefully I can use these last 16 trades to round out my field and uh, make my fantasy team look a little bit more respectable. All right, injury issues. I don't want to spend too long here, but there are some very noteworthy names under clouds heading into next weekend. Paddy Cripps obviously missed last week with a foot sprain, and he's no certainty to take to the field again this weekend. So I would definitely monitor him if you held him through that injury. According to what I've read, he does just have to get through a fitness test, and it's shaping up like he'll be okay, but... Foot sprain sounds like an ugly injury, if you ask me, so I wouldn't be surprised if he missed. Charlie Kerno, his teammate, missed most of the Frio game after hurting his knee early in the contest, and he's going to be sidelined for about a month, it appears, so that's a blow maybe for draft leagues. Patrick Dangerfield, he has been labelled... His injury has been labelled as a hip flexor complaint, so... He got crunched in a pretty big tackle, I think, or marking contest, I think, with Daniel Talia. But we know how tough danger is. I'm fingers crossed, hoping he can get back up. But Geelong has said they won't take any chances with their superstar utility. So there's another popular own bloke that could be under an injury cloud that we need to monitor. Similar can be said for Caleb Daniel, who's facing three to four weeks on the sideline after hurting his hamstring. So he's a must trade, I think, at this stage. Three to four weeks is way too long to be holding him, and he's worth a pretty decent chunk of coin. You can pretty much turn him into any defender or forward you like. Max Gorn. Now, like I said, rolled his ankle in the second quarter, which held him to just 50 points, but he bravely played out about two-thirds of the game, and his status is still up in the air. I'm sure there'll be a lot of coaches that will be sweating when teams are announced on Thursday night. At this stage, if I had to put money on it, I'd say that he misses, so the trading Max Gorn saga will be a very popular talking point this week, and I think I'm going to hold Gorn, even if it means copping a donut, but I might get a little bit fancy and chop him out for someone if I get tempted. I hate to inform a lot of coaches who traded in Kyron Hayden, but the young North Melbourne bloke who made his debut on the weekend suffered an Achilles tear. It's pretty awful to hear a debutante going down with a serious injury like that. So, pretty sad news. He went up $1,000, though, so hopefully you can make some coin if another basement bloke gets named. Callum Sinclair dislocated his shoulder twice, actually, in the opening term, and... He's going to miss at least the next couple of games, probably around three to four, but the rest of his season is in doubt, considering the severity of the injury. He might rehab quickly, might not. We don't really know. So we could see someone like Darcy Cameron, who's injured at the moment, or maybe even Michael Knoll, the Swans rookie who got signed in the mid-season draft, pop up. So keep your eyes glued to the Sydney Swans Twitter stream to see if there's any news on that front throughout the week. And Lockie Whitfield, he's listed as an outside chance to play against Brisbane this week. Has to get through the main session, so no certainty for this weekend. It's shaping up like he will be suiting up within the next fortnight though, so it might be time to start saving your cash. All right, favorite five. The plus five this week goes to Zorko the Great. Dane Zorko had a season high 143 on the weekend, which backed up his 120 against St Kilda the week prior, so 31 touches and 3 goals for the Brisbane Gun helped him score a round high 
actually, 143. So there's a lot of coaches out there who would have stuck with Zorko, had some troubling 80s and 90s in recent times, and this is why you hold your premiums, because all it takes is a little bit of a change, a tweak in the game plan, and they can be dropping 120, 140. So shout out to all the people who held Dane Zorko through his struggles. That one was for you. West Coast left Melbourne on the weekend with four points that were pretty much handed to them by Luke Shuey. He had a colossal second half with 27 touches and 101 fantasy points, which gave him 142 for the game. And he gets the plus four this week. There's not a lot of people out there that have Luke Shuey in their lineup. I think from memory, there was about 2% of coaches who had him for that massive score. And considering West Coast have one of the cushiest runs to close the season, it's time to seriously consider Shuey. He's 717 grams, so gotta pay up a little bit. But if you're looking to go outside the box, he's definitely a candidate. Plus three goes to Jack McRae. What more can you say about the Bulldogs gun? He's starting to look like the player who cost 100 or 890 grand to start the season. He's got a whopping three-round average over 150, and settling with a break-even of 63, he's probably going to go north of 800k this week. Got Geelong this weekend, so be a pretty interesting clash to see how that Bulldogs midfield uh, combats the Cats, but I do have faith that McRae can put up another probably 120 plus because he's looking like the form player of the comp right now. Plus two goes to Diego Amira. It's a shame that he keeps getting shut down by taggers and he's got a couple of blips on his fantasy resume for 2019. Otherwise, his ownership will be in for a bit of a spike. He didn't get any attention from the Eagles. Hutchings went down with an injury early, so O'Meara helped himself to 136 fantasy points, his third 130-plus score of the season. And if he keeps up these numbers, he might be someone to consider chasing if you need an upgrade for your final midfield spot. Priced at 667k, he is still gettable, but he won't be for much longer. And the plus one finally goes to Nat Fife, who, as I mentioned, scored 133, season best fantasy score. So well done, Fifey. I do, like I said, need to apologise, because ever since I declared that he's not an elite fantasy player about six weeks ago, he's averaging 115 with this huge 130 in that. So I swallowed my pride and traded him in during the buys, and the people that do own Fifey will be happy to see his 133 sitting on their team sheets this week. The frustrating five can start no other way this week than with defenders. And Jake Lloyd is the pick of the bunch who only managed 48, as I said. Zero marks, zero tackles. It's not good enough from a bloke that we all consider to be the number one fantasy defender at the moment. Lucky Whitfield might have something to say about that. But yeah, the weather didn't really suit a lot of defenders this week, but not good enough from Jake Lloyd. His score looks like an average rookie, so hopefully he can repay his owners with a big day out against the Bombers in round 16. Similar can be said with Basher Hooley, who gets the negative four. There are some pretty genuine question marks over which defensive fantasy players we can rely on week in, week out, and Basher Hooley was believed to be one of those guys, but he scored only 72 points on the weekend, failing to chalk up double-digit kicks for the first time this season, and didn't record a tackle either. So I thought there would be plenty of fantasy points up for grabs against St Kilda, and Hawley didn't really feast. So hopefully, like Lloyd, he can uh, repay the faithful coaches that own him. Sticking with the trend, another defender gets the negative three. Maybe we should play him up forward, because James Sicily didn't really start when he was sitting back in the defensive 50 for Hawthorne. Only scored 59 points. Second consecutive week amongst the negatives in the uh, round wrap-up. So, Sick Dog left a lot of coaches feeling pretty queasy after his efforts on the weekend. And hopefully he can bounce back and get back to his rebounding plus six best. But 
If you are a Sicily owner, you've got to hold him. I don't think there's anything too crazy going on. We didn't see him go forward at all this game, even though it might have seen him kick a few goals and score a bit better. But in cleaner conditions, I have faith that Sicily can score above 85, 90 and keep ticking the scores over. His teammate, Ricky Henderson, is next up, who was emerging as a genuine, unique target thanks to his stellar form, and he's really low ownership, but he gets the negative two after scoring just 67 points. It was his lowest score of the year, and it might be wise to reconsider if you had him in your trading plans, because he's probably going to dip a bit in price. He's got the pies this weekend, and that could be an interesting contest, but I think he'll dip a bit in price and could be ripe for the picking at around 700k in next week, maybe a fortnight's time. Finally, the last negative light goes to Tim Taranto. This is a bit harsh. He scored 83. It's not a terrible score, and maybe I'm biased, but it's my frustrating five. And Taranto gets the neg one because he was my final loophole opportunity for the season, and he let me down. A lot of people took Josh Kelly's 120, and I hope you did, but if you had your VC on Tim Taranto, then you would have probably looked for another option. I don't hope I hope you didn't go for... Uh, his vice-captain score, but let's be honest, it might have been better than some of the other disappointing efforts we saw on the weekend. So, like I've said multiple times, Tim Taranto seems to round out his 110 average with a 130 and then an 80 the next week, so hopefully he can bounce back to that higher points total this week. Time for some trade tactics talk. Now, with just two months left in the season, it's going to be really tough to try and get some of these top dollar targets into our team. Personally, I think I've given up hope of getting Josh Kelly into my side, who is, without a doubt, in my opinion, the number one fantasy player right now. Priced at 866 grand, you gotta pretty much rob a bank to try and afford the coin to get to Kelly, so I might not be able to bring him into my side, and it stings to not see him sitting in that M1 spot, but it is what it is. I do have Mitch Duncan, who's priced a little bit under 800 grand, so he's not completely ungettable, but I think it's wise to, instead of t chasing those type of guys, using your money and playing the value game and chasing some other guys just sitting over the 700 grand mark. I talked about Luke Shuey, who's definitely a unique bloke that you should consider, but Dane Zorko is another one who could be on your radar. And my personal favourite in this bracket is Clayton Oliver, who had 111 on the weekend, starting to find a bit more form, has put up some inconsistent scores throughout the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if Oliver ended the year with a pretty big bang. Like I've already mentioned, Caleb Daniels' injury setback means some coaches have to try and find an alternative for the pint-sized bulldog. You might want to look at getting Dustin Martin or Jack Zebel in your forward line if he's sitting up there, but down back I have two of my favourite targets in Tom Stewart and Jack Crisp. Probably in that order as well. Both of them scored 108 on the weekend, and personally I think out of all the blokes that you can consider, they have the highest fantasy floor for defenders. Crisp Probably not so much as Stewart, hence the reason I'd rank Stewart above him, but they're both capable of averaging 90 plus for the rest of the season and priced at between 600 and 650 grand, both of them can be got for Caleb Daniel and you can even save a bit of coin. If you really want to pocket some money though, you might want to consider the cheaper option in Connor Blakely, who was running through the midfield for the Dockers against Carlton, does have a, or seem to have a bit of an inconsistent role, which worries me a bit, and that's probably why I won't bring him in, but at 560 grand, fresh off a ton, he's probably as cheap as he'll ever be, so if you want to roll the dice, here's your pick. If cash generation is what you're after, then it's hard to go past Marbior Chole this week. Had 106, 
as a basement forward and shot up to 245 grand. So he has a ridiculous break even of about negative 28, I think, from memory, maybe 29, but regardless, he's going to go over 300k in the blink of an eye. And I think even if Toby Nankervis does come back soon, he'll push out Ivan Soldo because Chol has shown that he can play forward and pinch hit in the ruck. So I like the looks of Chol and he's arguably my number one cash cow trade target this week. Nick Hind is priced similarly to Chol, 250k, scored a 60 on the weekend, does tend to rely on a couple of goals, which does worry me, but I've said that before, and he seems to be entrenched in St Kilda's side for at least the next couple of weeks, so I'd be getting him in if you're looking for someone who's going to score a few more, going to put up a few more scores to end the year. You really want a cheaper option though, Oliver Hanrahan made his debut for Hawthorne on the weekend, and he was fine, only scored 39 points, but... He did show some signs, so hopefully the Hawks give him another chance and he can push that score. Well, I don't want to get greedy and say double it, but if he can get over 60, that might seem string a few games together. We do seem set to get a lot of debutantes and blokes re-entering the fray as injury lists start to pile up around the league. So there will be some other batch of youngsters that emerge, but until then, those three blokes are my favourite picks. Trade-out targets. Now, injury issues do seem will seem to dictate a lot of trade moves this week for coaches. Patrick Dangerfield and Max Gorn are obviously the two biggest names, and those coaches sitting in a decent rank might want to be aggressive and move those names on if they're not in action in round 16. I think at this stage both of them are unlikely, but there's every chance they could get up. If you want to trade them out, you do need to beware. You might not be able to trade them back in. It is possible that you flick them out and then you're not able to afford them again. Gone is still worth 800k, and even though he'll go down a bit, I think it's wise to hold some of your premiums. It is a bit of a double-edged sword, because if you hold them, you might be forced to cop a donut on your field. So tricky times. I don't really have the answer for you there, unfortunately. But if they miss, there's nothing wrong with considering them as trade-outs. Someone like Angus Brayshaw, who... I don't know if I'll be able to get rid of this week, but he has struggled to score, or he's failed really for a multiple number of weeks, so you do have to get rid of him if you can. There are obviously more pressing needs out there for some coaches. You want to generate cash, and you might do a bit of rookie shuffling, and you want to get rookies off your field, but if you're rolling a pretty strong outfit at the moment, there's nothing wrong with turning Brayshaw into a much better scorer. Speaking of some of those rookies, there's plenty of blokes out there that are sitting on the benches for fantasy coaches who are pretty much topped out in value and flatlined, somewhere between the 300 and 400 grand mark. So if you've got a couple of guys who are still playing, there's nothing wrong with keeping them there. By no means are any of these guys must trade outs, but there are a few who I would seriously consider moving on. Willem Drew's probably at the top of that bunch. He is still sitting at 400 grand, so he's an all right price. And we were lured into him uh, with some big scores earlier in the year, but he only scored 47 on the weekend, and after what Rocky did, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew returns straight back to the Sandful. There is another glut of rookies you can consider. Someone like Marty Hoare keeps going down in price. Nick Larkey as well, who I moved on last week. And then some other forward or pretty popular picks to start the year as well in Tommy Atkins and Matthew Parker. Those four guys along with Drew are probably the ones I'd rank as the highest trade-out priority, but... If you're still sitting with a non-playing bloke like Liam Baker or Jack Petricelli, I don't know, there's there's probably a dozen blokes I can list in this category, but if you want to move one of them on to try and get someone like Chol or Hind or Hanrahan if he holds his spot, that's a fine move. Waiver wire time, very quickly, I didn't talk about Tom Bell Chambers and the injury issues, but he could almost miss the rest of the fantasy season with a calf complaint, four to six weeks is labelled as the timeline, but there's no reason to rush him back. Essendon doesn't seem like they're competing for a hell of a lot. Although, they did beat the Giants on the weekend, so 
maybe they're going to make me eat my own words, but Zach Clark and Sean McKernan could be set to dominate Essendon's ruck contests for the rest of the season. So if you are chasing someone to help you in that category, McKernan's technically listed as a forward, but Zach Clark is only owned in 9% of teams, so you might want to snap him up if he's still floating around. Regularly playing midfield is always good targets to chase, and I've mentioned him a few times, but he's still sitting on a few waiver wires, and someone I managed to pick up before round 15 as well, it's Anthony Miles. Scored 111 on the weekend. We'll probably round it out to average somewhere between 85 and 90, but I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes closer to 90. And finally, Marbior Chole, while he is a very good option in Fantasy Classic, nothing wrong with picking him up in draft as well. He's only in 2% of teams, and fresh off his 100, he looks like he's going to get dual position status as a Ruckman in a few weeks' time, so it might be wise to put him on your bench and then it gives you an extra string in your bow, especially if you're playing in a deeper league. Let's talk about my moves. Now, I think I'm going to gun for a double downgrade this week. I can turn Willem Drew into Dan Hanabry as long as I do a downgrade in another area, and team selection will probably, once again, sort out my trade plans for me. But if I go Drew down to someone like Marby or Choll, that allows me to then get a little bit fancy and maybe chop out Answorth, who scored 60, but I think it's fine to chop him out as well. Not someone that I mentioned in those trade-out rookies, but the bloke that doesn't seem like he's going to make a ton more cash. I could send him down to Nick Hind. It's not a huge money grab for those two blokes, but Choll and Hind will keep ticking up in value, and that does pocket me around 200 grand more into my bank, so saves a lot of money that could help me turn Sydney Stack, Oscar Baker, or maybe even Brody Smith into Lockie Whitfield in the future. That's going to do it for this round 15 wrap-up, though. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for some more episodes. I think tomorrow I'm going to do a bit of a free agency recap for the NBA because... The last 48 hours have been pretty mind-melting, I'll be honest. I did write an article with some of the biggest takeaways from the first 24 hours, so you can check that out at my website, sportsbyfright.com. As per usual, my Cash Cows article will be out tomorrow as well, so make sure you visit Dream Team Talk for that. And then on Thursday night, I will be doing another team selection pod, answering all your questions. So you can fire them through to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Carrier Pigeon, Fax Machine, whatever you'd like. But thank you for tuning in again. Until next time, 